Want better barbecue results? I do. Big Papa Smokers is here to help. Hand-picked selection of the very best barbecue supplies in the business. Big Papa Smokers wants to help you achieve a barbecue greatness. You'll find everything you need for cooking outdoors at BigPapaSmokers.com. They sell those little cutting boards. You know those disposable cutting boards? Some Smoky Mountain cutting boards you buy by the case, 35 to a case. Great prices at BigPapaSmokers.com. Also known for their championship rubs and seasonings. Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow are proven winners on the competition barbecue circuit and in the backyard. Big Papa Smokers offers 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Whether you're cooking to impress judges or just grilling for the family, the most important people you grill for. Big Papa's award-winning rubs and seasonings will not be a disappointment. Pick up a bottle today at Big Papa Big Papa Smokers.com. Don't forget, you also got the Big Papa Smokers Do It Yourself Drum Kit. I bought one and I built one out of a 55 gallon RD. Really, really cool and it works really, really well. And the instructions on YouTube on how to put it together are fantastic. You'll enjoy that. A Big Papa Smokers Barrel Ugly Drum Smoker. Tell you folks, ugly drums. Drums are sweeping the nation. They are sweeping the nation. Welcome back. Don't forget. Let's see here. I have to make sure I read this. Oh, you wouldn't believe. <laughs> you would not believe the number of papers that I have gotten from Mr. Rempian. My name is Steve Ray. I'm, I'm broadcasting on the Barbecue Central Show. We are broadcasting live atop White Oak Mountain. And the little community known as Ultawa, Tennessee, here right northeast of Chattanooga. And still to come in the second hour is the Barbecue Central Embedded Correspondent Segment. I'll be up in just a few minutes. And that is going to be via the FOGO. FOGO. Let's see, where's that? FOGO. Right there, the FOGO Charcoal Hotline. Also, stay in touch with the Barbecue Central Show on Instagram and Twitter and the Barbecue Central Show on Facebook. Uh, don't forget the uh, best moments of the Barbecue Central Show produced by John Solberg, our Michigan embedded correspondent in 10 minutes or less. Episode number 74 is a journey back to July 2011. Heath Hall of Pork Barrel Barbecue joined Greg, and he discussed what was either the best product to hit the market or the worst product to hit the barbecue market, that being Q Cologne. I'm not kidding. Q Cologne. I thought it was the most vile thing ever, said Greg. However, I was the first order placed, verified by Heath, and in the second segment of the Best of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, he, Greg will chat for the first time with Amy Mills. Got her background and what it's like working with her dad, Mike Mills, who is a barbecue legend. All that coming up Friday on the best of the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, produced by John Solberg, the Michigan correspondent from Michigan. A listener writes, I like to make beef ribs. We live in a condo, so I have to use the barbecues that are provided by the condo, I guess. It's a big deal, isn't it, when you live in a, a condominium or a, a close-knit housing about grills. I know my friends say they can't even have a grill. I can see why. Anyway, the barbecues are provided that are provided are gas. When I put the ribs on, for a while there is some flame coming from the barbecue perhaps reacting to juices from the ribs. The ribs will tend to get done on the outside before they are well cooked on the inside. I don't put the barbecue sauce on the, on, let's see, I don't put the barbecue sauce on in the beginning because for sure they would caramelize and then burn. Yes, they would. I try to keep the heat around 300. Any suggestions to keep them from burning 
Thank you very much, and thank you for listening. Bruce Rubin, who listens to the Barbecue Central show, he sent that to Greg. Well, Bruce, I would suggest, and this is this is preached by a lot of barbecue people, and especially by our our, um, our monthly visitor, Meathead, you set up a two-zone cook on that grill. You can do that as long as you've got two different control devices. If you only got one, it's going to be hard to do. You're going to have to block off somehow or stack something. But if you've got a two-burner barbecue grill, gas grill is what you're using, take the ribs and put them on, say, the right side and take that burner and turn it way, way down, almost off. Take the other side, turn it up about three quarters. 300 degrees for ribs is if you're not using the pit, it's really kind of, um, it's kind of high. You know, when people cook chicken, they always say, oh, I can't cook chicken because it burns. Well, the reason it burns, you're cooking chicken on a gas grill, the reason it burns is because you're cooking it at 400 degrees. And chicken is full of fat and grease. And yes, it's going to burn. It's going to taste terrible. It's going to get black on the outside. And on the inside, when you take it inside, it's going to make you sick because on the outside, it's going to be 210 degrees on the inside it's going to be about 130 degrees. And we all know chicken's not ready until 160 degrees. Same with ribs. Not as poisonous as chicken, obviously, but you got to get them done. You got to get them up there around 195 to 205. Preferably, I'm a 210 guy, but we'll get into that sometime later. But set the right-hand side up, very low, very low heat. Three-quarters on the left-hand side. Put the... Put the 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 uh, uh, top down, and let them cook. Let them take the time. Cook them a little bit slower. And what you can even do, which is really cool, you can get these at Lowe's or Home Depot. At least that's where I see them here in in Oldwa. Is you get a little box and you throw some wood chips in. There's a little metal box of I forget what they call it, a wood smoker or something like that. All kinds of devices like that. Put those in there, and that will give it some smoke and aromas. You don't have to use liquid smoke. And that will give it a, a smoky taste, not as good as a barbecue, a pit, but not bad for a gas grill. And that's what I would suggest to you, Bruce. And I'm sure that as we're speaking, people are in chat giving you other ideas as well. But that's what I would do. And that's the way I do. Like when if I had to cook a, a um, well, a rack of uh, uh, ribs, let's say I was doing a, um, a beef ribs. And I was doing, or a standing rib roast, let's say that. I've done standing rib roast using that same method. And uh, it works great. Uh, it doesn't take long. It takes a little longer than you would, you know, just grilling it right over the open fire. But uh, it won't take long. So you enjoy doing that, Bruce. That's what I would recommend to you. All right, before we head to the embedded correspondence, let me read this Let's see, Barbecue Guru and Green Mountain Grills together, the Barbecue Guru products. Barbecue Guru, I use them. The Party Q is my favorite device. I use the DigiQ and my big smoker, but the Party Q, I've got a, uh, a pit barrel cooker, I've got a Weber Smoky Mountain, and I've got two QSB uh, gravity feed smokers that I use the Party Q in. It's very small, battery operated, it works great. The fan and the temperature control are perfect. If you've got that situation at your house, you smoke it on a Weber, a pit barrel cooker, go to barbecueguru.com and order the Party Q. It's simple. It does the job and you will really enjoy it. Also, for the Green Mountain Grills, the Classic and the Prime models are more robust with a bigger chassis Greg had the guy that owns Green Mountain Grills on a couple weeks ago. Also has 12-volt power technology, which I love because it's portable. Uh, let's see. A 12-volt power technology, two internal meat probes, peek-through window, which is kind of cool, in the main cooking chamber, and the pellet hopper. They've got three sizes. The Davy Crockett is the portable unit, and then the Daniel Boone and Jim Bowie for the backyards. The bigger two also accommodate the pizza oven insert. That's where it's at, folks. Pizza oven. I like those. And they are also, they're also pellet rubs and sauces 
to complete your outdoor cooking experience. TheGreenMountainGrills.com sold only through licensed dealers. And that's a good thing because you'll get training from your local dealer when you buy a Green Mountain Grill. We have a dealer right here in Udawak been selling Green Mountain Grills for years and years and years. Folks, I'm telling you something. With the 12-volt technology coming down the pike where you're not going to need power except for a little jumper box, a portable jumper box. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to the parts store at your auto parts store and ask for I want to see a portable car jumper box and they will show you. It comes about that big, about that wide. It's got a handle, two jumper cables on it. You can take it anywhere. You can jumpstart your car. You can power your Green Mountain Grill all from the same unit. How cool was that? You can't beat it. Green Mountain Grills and Barbecue Guru. You need them. Coming up next is the Embedded Correspondence. We're going to go hide behind the screen again, and we'll be right back. So stay with us. Who is with us now? All right, I'm going to start it. I'm going to start it right now. Who the hell is breathing into the microphone? I just wanted to make everybody sound at home. How's everybody doing? Doug Shidey. Steve Ray. Way to go off. I, I wanted to hear you rant all night long, and that was the closest thing we've gotten. Doug Shidey from Texas. John Solberg from Michigan, and we have got David Huff from Wintorn, Oklahoma, with us tonight. And I'm Steve Ray from Ottawa, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show and the Embedded Correspondence Segment. I take it that all is well in everybody's court. All's good. That, that, that would be a shake your head up and down, fellas. Thank you very much. Okay. Let's go around the table real quick. John Solberg. Barbecue Hall of Fame fan or not? Uh, indifferent, but uh, obviously this time of year, you got to be a fan of it. David Huff? Sure, why not? Doug Shiding. Uh, I'm a fan of one Barbecue Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't like having multiple Barbecue Hall of Fames. Okay. With that being said, John Big Daddy Bishop from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Aaron Franklin from Austin, Texas. Meathead Goldwyn from Chicago, Illinois. Michael Ray Higgins from Mesquite, Texas. A lot of Texas people on here, Doug. James Lemons, Chicago, Illinois. C.B. Stubblefield, Lubbock, Texas, and Austin. Wayne Monk, Lexington, North Carolina. Jim Quisenberry, Memphis, Tennessee. And Desiree Robinson from Memphis, Tennessee. First up, Doug Shiding. Do you like this list? Yeah, I like the list. Uh, one of the things I wondered is uh, where are the nominees from last year? Helen Turner, Columbus Hill, Jamie Gear, Rodney Scott. Uh, you know, where, where are these people? So uh, if you're on the list of uh, final nine, do you not kind of pass over to the next year? But uh, yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good list and a lot more diversified than it has been in the past, if I can say. David Huff. David Huff. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Okay, sorry. Something's wrong with my screen here. Um, 
<laughs> what was the question? <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was trying to fix oh my, my computer. <laughs> well, I, you know, I tell you what, when the, when the B team comes in, it's like the substitute teacher. You guys will probably be all be in the principal's office at the end of the segment. What uh, what do you think about the list, David Huff, the nine nominees for the American Royal Association's Barbecue Hall of Fame? I was surprised at the number of people that I didn't recognize uh, on the names, but I also thought that there might have been, you know, Greg has been kind of, I don't know if I'd call it stirring the pot, but he's been recognizing the lack of minority uh, nominees, and I think it might be having a small impact, uh, and we might start seeing a change here uh, continuing on in the near future. John Solberg in Michigan. I think it's a fairly solid list. There's a couple oddballs on there that kind of stand out to me, like, like, huh? But I think yeah. everybody on the list is a solid player and, and does deserve a place on the list. You know, Doug, the point you brought up about the uh, – where were the guys from last year? Uh, uh, Stubb, C.B. Stubblefield, I think, is the only repeat nominee from last year. I believe he was on the list last year. Uh, right. I thought it was strange, too, that Rodney Scott was left off. But I guess – I guess this list is generated by the people that are, uh, or us that are, that send in the nomination. So I guess he did not garner enough, uh, I don't want to say votes, but I guess enough nominees, nominations rather, uh, to make the list. And CB Stubblefield did. Um, let's go around again. And uh, I, my personally, um, I like the list. I think so, a couple, well, I'm gonna say one. One is more of a media-driven list, a uh, a famous list. Not so sure he would be a member of the uh, a a member of the Hall of Fame, although he is certainly a talent. But we'll go over that later. Uh, David Huff, who are your three? If it's David Huff's Hall of Fame, David Huff's Barbecue Hall of Fame, who is your? Who are the three people mm. that you would, would so, you would vote for? I was going to base my answer because of what we've seen so far, as in which three I think will be the ones that will go in. Um, and I think it will be exactly what you hit on um, based on popularity and mass reach. I think it would be Meathead, Aaron Franklin. And then the last one could possibly be um, Stubbs for his sauce and the reach. I mean, that that's carried in Walmarts all across the country. Um, and I think that there's a chance that he makes it in this year. John Zolberg. Well, if it is my Hall of Fame, the ones I would put in, which I think only one of them has an actual chance at even possibly seeing the Hall of Fame this year, I'm going with Desiree Robinson, and these are in no particular order. James Lemons absolutely deserves a place in the Hall of Fame. And lastly, Jim Quisenberry if you take a look at that guy's barbecue life, it was phenomenal. So uh, that's my three that I would like to see in. John, give a, what's a little background real quick on Jim Quisenberry? Um, man, he just was a barbecue dude in the 80s before it was cool. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, head on over to uh, just Google Jim Quisenberry and take a look at all the – he just did a lot. He played hard in the game. And, um, Wasn't he one know, of the one of the founding people of the Memphis and May or – Memphis I barbecue, can't confirm I think, or deny that personally. I think I so. I I don't know that for a fact, but uh, I mean, he built this whole family life around barbecue. He built his vacations around barbecue. He their kid, his kids are now in the barbecue business. Yeah, um, he, he's definitely had an impact on the industry and probably an unsung hero. But it's definitely you know it's definitely worth checking out their website. There's a lot of great stories. It's a good website. It's got a good blog. It's entertaining. Also, don't forget that the embedded correspondence is being broadcasted to you on the Fogo Premium Hardwood Charcoal Hotline. Doug Scheiding, your picks. Well, I, I uh, got the first two uh, right away, and it was the, really the third one that gave me a trouble. But um, I think Aaron Franklin is going in. I think he's done a lot for barbecue uh, just in terms of popularity, being named uh, you know, by Bon Appetit as the, the best brisket on the planet. 
um, uh, you know, whether it's coincidence or whether that was part of it, is it more mainstream now? I'm not sure. So um, the other one is Stubbs, even though I'm not a fan of the barbecue sauce and he is from Texas, I think CB Stubbs is going in. Like you said, he's on the list for two years in a row. I think there's that's not by coincidence. So uh, the, the third one was the tough one for me. It's going to be someone from Chicago. It's either going to be James Lemons or Meathead. And I actually think it's going to be James. And what is, what is Doug? Do you know his background for people at home? No, it, it, yeah, it's it, it's uh, himself and uh, his two brothers. I thought uh, started barbecue restaurants back in the fifties in Chicago, mm-hmm. and uh, so he. I think he's the eldest brother, and he started the second location of Lem's Barbecue. But so, um, uh, I just think in terms of you know bringing in, they were known for rib tips. Um, you know, which uh, again, I'm not a real fan of because I don't like that cartilage and, uh, yeah. and hot links, you know, hot links is real popular down here in, in Texas, or at least, uh, it used to be, you know, when barbecue first started here, especially in Houston. So I just think he's, uh, I've heard of his name, like, you know, some of the other people, maybe it's just me living in a cave, but, um, I hadn't heard of him, unfortunately. I tell you, what, I'm, I'm going to say, and I, and I think because all the people that are in the hall, get a vote and uh i think i think there's some other people on a committee that vote i'm not sure but i think that the major the the most of the voting comes from the people that are already in the hall and at last count i think i counted 27 people most of them most of them are barbecue cooks and this is this is the reason i think my nominees will go in i think that this is a group it's going to be a group that is not only respected industry-wide, but I think it's respected by this group that's going to be voting. And my picks for the Hall of Fame, number one, is Meathead Goldwyn. I think Meathead will get in the Hall of Fame because he is so, because his pioneering in the internet information world for barbecue, for the barbecue industry, where there was nothing when the 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 competitors, the Myron Mixon, Doctor Barbecues, uh, uh, Melissa Cookston, when they were starting out, there was nowhere to get information on the internet, and uh, Meathead kind of started that for them, and, and it's just it's become just crazy all the information that you can get. I think that he will be he will be uh, voted for because of that. I think the second person will be. Uh, Stubbs, C.B. Stubblefield, and Doug, I think it's for the same reason that you thought, too, because um, because it's the second time. And uh, I think he is such a, a, a monster. He had such a monster effect in the sauce business. I know, right, if you go down to my pantry right now, there's a jar of Stubbs barbecue sauce down there, and uh, probably in most of the pantries in the uh, United States, right next to their Sweet Baby Ray's. And I think the third one, it's going to be Jim Quisenberry. John, I, I agree with you because I believe he is so respected by the competitors for what he did to start competitive barbecue. You know, um, you know, the Memphis barbecue network before it was that it was the Memphis and May network. And, you know, that was the, that was the big, that was the big one before KCBS got so strong. They were, um, that's where a lot of the older fellows started. And uh, I think he, I think he's going to be quite respected for um, for starting the barbecue, the entire barbecue competition scene. So my pick is going to be Meathead, CB Stubblefield, and Jim Quisenberry. Anybody want to put any money down on this? Not that they'd pay. <laughs> oh, I pay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the embedded correspondence segment here on the Barbecue Central Show. Okay, around the corner, I'm sorry, around the table, David Huff. Uh, I know you've had some trying times, but um, your uh, Memorial Day activity, yours was um, quite a standout uh, of the group here. You were were the uh, star, I think you were the star standout of Memorial Day activities. (laughs) <laughs> well, it was bittersweet, I'll tell you that. As you can see by my attire here, we've definitely had some rough rough weather in Oklahoma. 
Uh, I was supposed to go camping on Memorial Day, and um, the campground we were going to go to is at the base of the dam where the two barges uh, escaped and were floating downstream, and they were worried it was going to hit the dam, break through, flood the area, and kill all the people. So the campground got canceled. Uh, then we almost had a couple tornadoes by the house. And all through all that, I was fortunate enough to be on the local television station and do a cooking segment on how to grill, you know, I wanted to do hot dogs for Doug, but they said, nah, if you need to know how to you know, cook a hot dog, we, you don't need to be watching. So we did chicken breasts, hamburgers, and steaks, and I think it turned out well. And that's really about the only thing I cooked for Memorial Day because, again, we were planning on going camping and um, kind of threw some stuff together yeah. at some friend's house after that. So that was my cooking for Memorial Day. Well, I don't think there's anybody else among us who can say I spent my uh, Memorial Day on television telling everybody in Bixby, Oklahoma, <laughs> how to cook. And he uttered the most, one of the most funniest lines I've ever heard on TV cooking. Uh, David, repeat that line when the, I'll be the announcer. And uh, <laughs> Mr. Huff, how, how, what temperature should you cook that chicken breast up to? Listen, use your thermometer. Do not overcook your chicken. Go to 165. Anything over that, you might as well shingle your roof with it because it's just a boneless, skinless, dry piece of shingles if you cook it over 165. That was a coffee spit out moment in my book. <laughs> John Solberg, your your Memorial Day memory from yesterday. Uh, you know, we Memorial, my world is full of uh, emergency responders and retail folks. So any holiday is just a holiday or a Saturday or Sunday. So we don't really have those. Um, I'm real close to Great Lakes National Cemetery. So, of course, I always visit Great Lakes National Cemetery regularly. So I make a trip over there for that service. And uh, I cleaned cookers. I mean, I cleaned four Weber's and ran nine racks of ribs for some friends in retail. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of boring, but that's that's it. That's what I did for Memorial Day weekend. Doug Shotty. Uh, I went to a, my last cook-off before the summer hits. Uh, and it was still pretty hot this weekend. It was 90 degrees. So I did a cook-off on Friday and Saturday and uh, um, did okay. And in fact, I, I got one of my most unique trophies I've ever. At first, I thought this thing was just ridiculous and hideous. But uh, it's when pigs fly. It's it's the, It was the uh, coordinators or promoters uh, thumbs up to PETA. And uh, so this is the trophy I got for my first place of ribs, <laughs> so, which is, I don't know, a lawn ornament or something. So but, uh, I'm going to keep it normally, you know, if it's a bowling trophy, I normally take one picture with it and uh, kind of give it usually uh, build up 10 or so and give them to Goodwill or uh, you give your, you give your trophies away. Yeah. If it's a bowling trophy. You yeah, but if it's, you know, something metal or if it's a belt buckle, I keep those. But if uh, most of the bowling trophies, uh, I build them up and give them away. When when I was a tennis player, I, I gave away over 120 trophies um, uh, when I quit playing tennis. Wow. David Huff, we did you. John Solberg, we did you. Doug Shotty, we did you. What I did is we had a little um, uh, party down here at our uh, local club. And uh, we did the barbecue. Al's Nest Barbecue did the uh, Frank and I and our. Um, we had a, a real unique guest. Every every time we cook, we try to get find somebody who is interested in barbecue. That way, we can let them do all the work while we sit back and watch them. And we 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 tell them that they're learning barbecue. That's how we get arrested. This year, we had uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jay Land was on our team for the uh, for this for this particular little cook. And uh, Jay has just retired after 30 years of service in the United States Army, ser serving the last nine, basically, in uh, Seoul, South Korea. So we were entertained um, uh, early early um, Monday morning and into the day by uh, stories from uh, Jay after a 30-year career. And uh, you can imagine how interesting those stories were when he uh, rolled into Iraq and uh, the, the Middle East realm. So uh, it was kind of nice to spend that with, a, uh, with an Army veteran that has, that has been there and is just basically just still in his transition period after being um, retired from the Army. So it was kind of a special day 
for us one of the better uh, Memorial Days I can remember. Uh, although we we were enlisted to help, and we had to help more than the original plan was, but that's that's another story for another day. All right, let's. Hey, did you guys see? I'll go around the room. John, have you seen the um, all of the press on that? Um, oh gosh, what's it called? It's the fake meat. It's called. Um, do, do you know Impossible what, Burger. Is it? Is that what it is? Impossible Burger, but the whole, but there's the company that um, that does that meat, and that that stock is on fire. That's all they oh, talk. Oh, that's all they talked about today on uh, CNBC was the stock of this company. I should, and I watched it all day. I should remember the name of it. But John, do you think that this um, the the fake meat industry is uh, is got some um, legs legs on it? Absolutely. I mean, everybody wants to try it. I want to try it. I haven't tried it yet. Um, there's a demand for it. Everybody's getting into it. So we just got to wait to get to, you know, artificial meat with CBD and it'll be the next thing. <laughs> yeah. The, um, they were, they were saying that the, the uh, millennials, none, um, they don't eat meat. They're all vegetarians. And uh, David Huff, have you seen this? You're of that I age have. group. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, it's not for me, but that being said, I know there's absolutely a market for it. There are people, I have a lot of vegan friends, I have a lot of vegetarian friends. Um, you know, when they come over to my house for a barbecue, I, I try to do the best I can. I wish there was something like that that I could serve them. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you real quick, I, one of my favorite things on the menu at a restaurant in Kansas City called Char Bar a barbecue place there and they smoke a jackfruit and it is done so well i almost like it better than their pulled pork um it's stringy from the from the standpoint of it has the consistency of like pulled pork wood um not not stringy as in you know hard to chew but it it's just delicious and you know that's that's jackfruit is definitely not on the the meat spectrum and so i think that restaurants are out there trying to make more of um, a decision to provide to more people in the vegan and vegetarian um, mindset. Jackfruit. What? What is it? Yeah. Uh, is it an actual fruit? I've never heard of. Is it an actual fruit, or is it something that's? I no, just... I believe so. It's an actual fruit, and it's about the size. Of, it's bigger than a watermelon. If you see a whole jackfruit, they're about Most sixteen pounds. About yeah. sixteen pounds for a whole jackfruit. And when you it's get them in the delicious. store, most of the time they're already processed in a can, John. I believe, right? Um, or, but if you, yeah. yeah, if you see a whole one, you'll know. I mean, it's about thirty bucks for, for this giant jackfruit at the grocery store when they have them. Wow, have to check it out. How do you how do you cook those, David? I don't know. Um, I'd have to ask them. Um, but it came out on what they call their womp platter, which is basically their sampler platter with so much food on it when they put it down on the table it goes womp that's where the name came from and uh i i had jackfruit put on there along with the pulled pork and i really couldn't tell which one i liked more hmm doug shining yeah this, i'd love mystery an impossible burger so uh, i don't know anybody that or any of the restaurants uh, that carry it down here but uh you know based on you know greg has had had it a couple of times and he says it's really good so um yeah i'd love to try it what do you what do you think the um uh, you know, when you, when you talk to a, a vegetarian and I've got a, a daughter and son-in-law are vegetarians and, and I've got to admit when they come over, it's, you know, they eat the sides and, um, I always try to have them one of those, um, those burgers that are made out of, um, oh, were they black, uh, black eyed peas? I think they, they're frozen and they're black bean morning star. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, and I know that's no, no imagination on my part, but I just don't. I just don't know that much about food to experiment, but I, you know they do eat the sides, so they'll eat the, you know, the potatoes and the macaroni and whatever. But um, she, my daughter, was talking about the Impossible Burger, and and you know, of course, her response was, "Dad, it tastes just like a meat hamburger." What do you think, vegetarians, John? Do you think they miss meat and they want to taste meat because every time they describe something to you, it, it's always it tastes just like. But wouldn't you think that they want something that tastes different than meat? 
Hey, before I give my answer, just not to interrupt, but do you need to do a read before I start my answer? Um, well, I've, I've read everything. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I've well, got them well, all. I've got them all in. Sorry about that. That's okay. I'm just used to our, I'm just using that schedule thing, and my clock's going. Well, I'm going to I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something just a little bit different. But uh, okay, but you're right. Okay. I will, I will um, be breaking when I'm get tired of y'all. Go we ahead. need a break for a costume change. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that you brought this to me, Steve. My son is a vegetarian. He's also a millennial, and I don't mean that in a derogatory term. Mm-hmm. Uh, all millennials get lumped into some odd group, um, and and that's just not the case. Um, I love the fact when he comes home to visit and spends a few days and I get to cook vegetarian things. I will say he does not miss meat. He is not looking for meat texture. And um, like I say, I just, if he's here for three or four or five days, I go, man, I'm cooking. It's a great opportunity for me. So I've, I've never had the conversation with him about Impossible Burger, but, but I can honestly say he, he doesn't miss the texture of meat. But it, it can be challenging, and I think that's why it's good for me to do it. David Huff, what do you think that they're the vegetarian uh, designer type food? What is, is what what are the vegetarians looking for in their food? Yeah, I think if they say, "Oh, that tastes like meat," that's that's more of a reference for us to know, you know, kind of their reaction to that. Just kind. Of, you know, everything tastes like chicken when you don't know how else to describe it. Um, and somebody says that, you know how to relate to it. I also think people go vegetarian for a variety of reasons, whether it's ethical treatment of animals, maybe they just don't want saturated fat in their diet, and uh, although you can get some of those those things from vegetables and, and that diet alone. Um, I just think depending on the reason, what they may be looking for. I have a friend that has been vegetarian for, gosh, six years, and, and she was at a party and and they didn't have anything vegetarian friendly and she tried to eat red meat and she was deathly ill. Really? Um, so she does not miss that anymore. She's perfectly happy with her, her choice. And, um, you know, I have no problem with it at all. No, I, I've got no problem with vegetarian. I was years and years and years ago. I'm talking 30, 31 or 32. I was a vegetarian for about six months. And uh, I gained so much weight, though, because I ate, I ate pasta every day. I mean, it's, it's not, it can be an unhealthy diet, too, if you don't know how to eat it. Doug Shining, what's your, what's your take on the vegetarian that says this tastes just like meat? Well, obviously, they were not a vegetarian for all of their life, if they're saying that. But um, I hear most of, most of us carnivores say that, uh, you know, in, in reference to uh, something that, uh, you know, like the Impossible Burger or whatever. So um, uh, most vegetarians, you know, heck, even, you know, our, our uh, buddy Stover said he was thinking about going back to it just because of all the shards and, you know, the ground meat and, you know, plastic yeah. and glass and everything in meat. And uh, really it comes down to, you know, uh, uh, the hormones and everything that is in the meat or could be in the meat. Um, and that's, you know, you're, in, you're ingesting that with each, uh, each bite of meat. So, um, I think that's another, in addition to the humane, humane treatment of animals. Hey, real quick, before we continue, I'll remind everybody that tomorrow at three o'clock right here on the barbecue central show, Facebook page and the barbecue central show, YouTube channel, you can watch live coverage of the American Royal Association's barbecue hall of fame. They will take the nine nominees they will be whittled down right before your eyes. And the three 2019 inductees into the Barbecue Hall of Fame will be announced live at, during the 3 o'clock show, a special airing, special bulletin show of the Barbecue Central show that will be hosted by Greg Rempe. You won't want to miss this if you are interested in the barbecue uh, legacy. This will be an interesting show. I'm sorry. I'm sure Greg will have interviews with some people and uh, talk about the nomination process and he will be talking with people about why they think this person should be in and why they why they didn't get in a full a full coverage of the 2019 american royal association hall of fame induction announcements and um uh doug shine i'm gonna start with you first um is this groundbreaking coverage of this do you think yeah, I think so. And, and it's probably something that they should be doing themselves, you know, as an organization, because I don't think the, uh, uh, they do enough to really uh, uh, 
basically announce who's winning publicize the you know the whole process it's kind of oh you know greg has to remind everybody to go to the website to you know for the promotion and th that sort of thing um uh, you would think that they would be doing a lot of that themselves so um i think it is and and i hope greg is able to do it every year going forward and maybe you'll have a a little more voice and and uh, get in on the inner circle and actually help decide who the final nine nominees are, et cetera. So, because I don't think they do the nine nominees based on how many people nominated people. Heck, if that was the case, Greg would be would be in on the on the short list, and and so would probably John Marcus for all of us, you know, centralites that that uh, put in nominations for that. So, I think it's a secret group uh, that uh, votes on this and uh, and then decides who the final nine are. John Solberg. Groundbreaking coverage or not? It is. It is groundbreaking coverage. And I agree with Doug's point that they, they don't have a platform to do this. Um, it's, it's not their focus. Uh, I'm not really even aware of their social media presence. So I think that there's a lot of synergy here. Um, I, I, I'll say that I don't ever see Doug's point of Greg being part of that inner circle, but it's a really nice thought. And on the whole John Marcus thing, to me, that's almost appalling that this guy has not even made the short list yet, but that's a personal rant. You don't want to get me going because if it wasn't for John Marcus, I would not be sitting here talking to you guys. Uh, most of us in the world of barbecue would not be having this conversation. Uh, I'm so, with you. I'm so with I'm you not, there. Uh, I'm with you there right I'll there. Be, David I'll Huff? Myself now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm just going to echo my fellow correspondents. Uh, there's, a, there's a problem. You have a marketing and a branding problem if – Potential nominees for your Hall of Fame don't even know that the Hall of Fame for barbecue exists. Um, there's been people come on Greg's show that he's mentioned to them the Hall of Fame, and they're they're kind of staring you know, wide-eyed. They don't even know that there is a barbecue Hall of Fame, and, and that's an issue. Um, I think that they need to get that word out there. They need to support it. Do they ever show up at events? Do they ever run any type of you know, marketing or campaigning. Maybe they don't feel there's a need, but if you're going to have a Hall of Fame, really what's the point if you don't let people in the industry participate, be made aware of, and um, yeah. You know, I think I think this is so uh, – it's important to us. I think it's important to the, the barbecue industry. The number one that, that they, they talk about – or we talk about how important knowing where where we came from or knowing what the people before us did, how they did it, and who the people were, you know, what they were about. And I think that this is something that it's almost, to me, unbelievable that with the tools that, that you know, fellas, if you can set up a, a studio in the bonus room of your house, and broadcast to the internet a barbecue show every week. You what? Just think what an organization like the American Royal Association could do with their funding, and a a media. Uh, John, talk about a, a bigger media presence, a a bigger um, production of this instead of having Greg have to go to them and say, "Hey, let's do this," and they go, "Wow, that's a good idea." You know, you just wonder, you know, why why wouldn't they want to, you know, spread this out? It's almost like it's, um, I don't know, John. Do you think it's, do you think, John, that they they? It's almost like it's a secret that this Hall of Fame exists. It's a tough question because there's, you know, I'm gonna try to do the political wrestling thing here for a minute. Uh, nobody gets hurt, but it looks real good. Um, you know, it's not it's not their focus. They have a big you know, the American Royal has a lot going on. You know, it's it's bigger than a barbecue contest. So the Hall of Fame may, it may not be that high up on their budgeting and priority list. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, at least something is being done. So uh, uh, where am I going here? It's like, I just don't feel it's high on their list. I, I, and and let's, let's look at it. As David said, there's people that don't even know it exists that are nominated for it and whatnot. Is it? It's, it may not be that important to the rest of the planet or to the American Royals business statement, their focus. And, and those are questions, man, we, I can't answer. David, David, let me ask you this. 
would you have an interest in going to a a hall, a a a building where they actually had the like the uh, baseball football Hall of Fame for the barbecue inductees into Hall of Fame? Would you be interested in you going on a trip with your family to such a a building if they ever built one? So it's interesting that you said trip with the family because I think there's there's the issue. Uh, if I'm going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, if I'm going to the NFL Hall of Fame, if I'm going someplace like that, you have such a general interest, a general, um, you know, people know what football is. They know what rock and roll is. If I were on vacation with my family and, and I told them I wanted to stop in at this place and take even two hours out of family vacation to go through a barbecue Hall of Fame, um, I might not have to. I had to find a ride home from vacation um, because I, I just don't think if you're not interested in the industry the way that you and I are and people listening to this podcast are, it's not going to get any support from the general public. I just think the field is limited on who's going to be interested. Um, and that's why I think the marketing within the field should be better because that's your audience. Those are the people that you should have supporting you and caring about it. They're the ones that need to know because no one else really is going to care. And real quickly, Steve, before I forget, there's some, I'm looking here at the YouTube chat, some people asking what time I know the second hour is going to drop on Thursday after the announcement, but can you tell people what time that this coverage is going to be three o'clock Eastern standard time tomorrow? That is May the 20, uh, what is the 29th? Yes, May the 29th, tomorrow, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Barbecue Central Show Facebook page and on the Barbecue Central Show YouTube channel at 3 o'clock. You sure that's not today? You've ran a little over. Are we into Thursday already, Steve? Sorry, no, go ahead. No, David, we're not. <laughs> Doug. David, we're in the real time zone. Sorry to, sorry to take your time. Doug, we're the, in the only real time zone. The IBCA, the IBCA yeah. in Texas has a Hall of Fame. What's the interest level there compared to the uh, American Royal Hall of Fame? You know, they, they only do it, uh, you know, once a year. Uh, you nominate, and then prior to the, the annual meeting, they uh, – uh, they initiate, you know, or, you know, induct the people into the Hall of Fame. And uh, I, I'm sorry to say as a life member, I'm not even sure. I was there the first year of, of it and uh, know the first five, but uh, I don't know who made it after that. I don't, I missed uh, last year as I was out of town. So um, I actually am not aware. You see, the, the idea of a brick and mortar Hall of Fame intrigues me. I could see a... A, um, a building saluting the uh, early, early, early barbecue, the uh, the the uh, African Americans coming, um, or where they where they started in the uh, in the uh, Caribbean with the holes in the ground cooking food, and then um, you know a whole progression of barbecue from um, uh, the holes in the ground to the uh, handmade brick pits. All the way up to modern day gravity fed um, and uh, you know electric powered uh, smokers and gas powered smokers that are out there. I think I think that would have a a that would show a or I think people would would be genuinely interested in that. You could have a um, uh, you know the backyard barbecue exhibit and uh, show the history of um, you know find John. You probably know the first. The first backyard grill that was mass marketed to the uh, consumer, something like that. Steve, maybe this is semantics, but that sounds more like a a museum. So well, somebody yeah. in yeah. Ten Tennessee or you know Alabama, Mississippi, Oklahoma, Texas, whoever could just start that without having to be associated necessarily with the Hall of Fame. Well, you would, um, but you would, I, I think it's a great idea. You would incorporate. I mean, if you've ever been to the, like the NCAA. Uh, headquarters in Indianapolis. They they start with uh, they start with the history of the NCAA and they they trace it from the flying wedge all the way up to the modern day uh, you know the gymnastics and all the different things that the NCAA does. Uh, baseball has that too. They've got a traditional in football. They've got the history of their of their sport uh, incorporated into the Hall of Fame, and that's what 
I think makes it interesting. No, if you went into a, a room with 27 bust of uh, barbecue pitmasters, no, it's it's not going to be exciting. It's not going to be. It's not going to draw people. But I think if you incorporate it, because barbecue is such an American um, passion, I, I really do think that it would um, it would draw a a crowd big enough to um, to sustain it. Especially, of course, you'd have to put it. Um, you have to put it in. Uh, that'd be another great discussion. Where would you put it? Uh, real quick, Kansas, Doug. Doug, Kansas where would City, you put Missouri. it? Oh, sorry. That's all right. David Huff, where would you put it? Kansas City, Missouri, because it's centrally located in the United States. They have such a, a you know, a background there in history and barbecue. Uh, I, I think I'd put it there. Doug, where would you put it? Kansas City, Kansas. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I, Kansas City, obviously, because American Royal, just because they, they have the ownership and, uh, you know, they have the inductee ceremony at the American Royal every year. Um, but you, you put the, the nail on the head from the standpoint of uh, hit the nail on the head from there's only 27 people and, and they really don't get into the depth of the history of barbecue. It's a lot more of the recent people and not uh, the ones that uh, were the founders and, you know, the, the James Lemons and, 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 and a lot of the people that Adrian Miller, you know, uh, talks about in Columbus Hill, et cetera. So um, they need 100, 150, 200 people in there, and then maybe they can think about having a building. John Solberg, where would you put the Barbecue Hall of Fame? Virginia, the birthplace of American barbecue. And if we go to Kansas City, you know, everybody in Kansas City looks at everybody else in the country like, you know, down, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're, they're, uh, political wrestling match. You know, it's not Kansas City's not the home of American barbecue. I say Virginia. I would go with Memphis. I think Memphis would be a great place to locate it. It's not that far from Kansas City. Uh, there's lots of things to do in Memphis. I just think it'd be a great addition to that city skyline. Gentlemen, thank you so much. The Embedded Correspondents. John Solberg, David Huff, and Doug Scheiding with us tonight. Gentlemen, we'll see you the last, no, the fourth Tuesday of June. Until then, I bid you farewell. Thanks for joining us, guys. Adieu. Adios. And everybody, thank you for joining us here on the Barbecue Central Show. This is Steve Ray filling in for Greg Rempe. We sure appreciate everybody watching and everybody listening don't forget at three o'clock tomorrow 3 p.m eastern standard time no matter where you are you can tune to the barbecue central facebook page or the barbecue central youtube channel and get full coverage of the american royal association announcement of the 2019 hall of fame inductees you only can get that live on the barbecue central show with Greg Rempe. That's tomorrow at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time right here on this station. Until next Tuesday, everybody, thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon down the barbecue road. And as Greg says, September 11th, 2001, we will never, ever forget. Happy Memorial Day, everyone, and we'll see y'all later. <laughs>